Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King coming at you with a roundtable edition of the show as Auburn gets ready for its week two matchup against Alabama State, bringing in that annual FCS opponent. Going to pay out a nice uh, nice chunk of change to the in-state school for what should be a really big win for Auburn. Is it going to be as big as the Akron win in week one, which they won that game by 50, hung 60 points? is the most um, an Auburn team has ever scored in a season opener under a new head coach and a head coaching debut. Um, so pretty good way for Brian Harson to get things started on the plane. So we'll see what Alabama State has in store. So I got Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell here with me on the roundtable. And Mark, I will start with you. I know you and Jason have been doing a little bit of film study on this team uh, out talking about Alabama State. They're 1-0 as well. Uh, they needed overtime to beat Miles College. And correct me if I'm wrong, they only scored two touchdowns in that game. It was 14-13, I think. Um, some familiar faces on this team, all the way dating back to that 2018 game, which Auburn won 63-9 um, to nine in Jordan-Hare Stadium. But uh, what part of this team, Mark, particularly on offense, do you think is even capable of, of presenting any sort of challenge for Auburn on Saturday? You know, I like the quarterback. He's mobile, and he's a pretty good short passer, and he's – He's certainly really athletic, but, you know, just watching uh, that game against Miles, I was thinking, like, this Alabama State team does not look as good as the one I watched in the spring. You know, they didn't play their fall schedule. The whole SWAC postponed until uh, the spring. They played an abbreviated schedule. They played six games in all. They were three and two in the SWAC, and they lost a non-conference game. And, uh, you know, Alabama State actually has pretty good athletes, but – I don't think they have nearly enough of them. Uh, you know, it really, it was kind of surprising, not surprising, but it was really interesting to watch that game. Alabama State's offensive line was dwarfed by Miles, Miles guys. That's just absolute monster guys up near probably 370, 380 on the line of scrimmage. Now, Alabama State had some pretty big guys on their defensive front, and they're going to be bigger than the guys that Auburn is uh, – using to block them, but I just don't think Auburn's going to have a whole much problem stopping this team. Uh, They do have a good running back, Ezra Gray, and uh, he certainly has been around there for a long time. They got probably three or four pretty good receivers. And, you know, as Brian Harson said, you know, they've got some skill guys that if you give them some room to run, they're going to make some plays. So you got to be careful about that. But, you know, I don't even think there's a betting line on this game. Auburn's such a prohibitive favorite. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of how sharp Auburn is, how big the margin of victory will be. I would guess it'll be pretty close to the first time they played, uh, 63 to nine in, in 2019. And Auburn scored three touchdowns in the first quarter, three in the second quarter. And that game was well over by halftime. Yeah, I think I was looking into that this week, Mark, looking about the spread. Um, Apparently, it's like for FCS and FBS games, they do them like 24 hours ahead of time. Um, maybe not. I don't know if that's 100% correct. So we'll have to see if they're, yeah, like you said, if there even is one. Um, Jason, a little bit of an interesting connection here. So Nettles, I think, is the name of the quarterback. Um, he and Auburn linebacker Cam Riley were high school teammates together, and they won a state championship, according to you. Yeah, they actually won a state championship in football. And 
Uh, and then uh, I think they either won or, or played for a state championship in basketball too. And Ryan Nettles was, um, you know, instrumental in both of those. He was actually more of a basketball player than a football player um, in high school. He was really talented, you know, six four, six five, shooting guard, uh, really athletic. Actually, the the first time that we saw Ryan Nettles, um, we were there. Myself and Mark were on our way to Baton Rouge uh, for Auburn LSU, um, and we we stopped through because they were playing Mobile Christian at the time. Mobile Christian had a prospect that wound up signing with Stanford. That's the reason why we stopped. It's like this is the guy that Auburn's recruiting. By the middle of the first quarter, Cam Riley was the best player on the field with without question. And so we we immediately you know. You had to figure out who that guy was, and they wound up winning the state championship. That was their sophomore year, but but Ryan Nettles was quarterback on that team, and you could see a guy that was athletic, um, you know, has the touch. And like Mark said, we saw last week the second half, especially the fourth quarter, the the game plan for Akron was that short control passing game, try to you know get four or five six yard passes and and kind of move the chains. I would expect that's what we'll see a lot of from Ryan Nettles and his Alabama State team. They got a couple of talented, you know, talented, pretty wide receivers that can can move the chain some. So, yeah, um, but yeah, a lot of history. Um, you know, a guy that he'll be, you know, like a lot of these guys on the Alabama State team. I would imagine be pretty fired up to to play in Jordan Air Stadium on Saturday morning at eleven o'clock. So, um, I think it's a, you know, it's an interesting game for Auburn, and because of that, um, how do you respond to being? I mean, this will be as you know, as a prohibited favorite as most of these guys, you know, will ever be in a college football game. Like I said, no line at all. I would imagine it would probably be close to 50 if there were one. Um, you know, you're going to win the game just a matter of how you go out and play. So this is a mental game for sure for Auburn come Saturday. Mark, we talked about it last week um, on the round table, but it was a little bit farther off in the distance. Now Penn State, they've played a game. Auburn has played a game. It really is just kind of looming over the horizon, but you've got to get over this hump. Um, talk to me a little bit about what Auburn's players and Brian Harson have talked about this week and their, how, how they're going to kind of avoid looking ahead because, you know, college game day could be there. It might, it'll probably be in, in Gainesville for, for the Alabama and Florida game, but it could be, um, it's going to be a ranked matchup. Obviously it is the huge game that circled at the beginning of the schedule. Um, but Brian Harson has made it very clear. You got to come out here and you've got to perform this game or else Alabama state is going to expose some issues that you might have heading into such a big game like Penn state. You know, Brian Harson's the big theme, and you know it very well, Nathan. It's like, let's worry about one thing at a time, one day at a time, just win the day and practice. And, you know, he said this is the first real true game week because he said going into the opener, they had several weeks to get ready and game plan for Akron and said now they got a regular turnaround. They're getting into the routine. He said the uh, – uh, practice seems like it just zipped right by this week because, you know, they go to class, they get go in and practice, get focused, and then gone. And uh, he said they don't have time to fool around. They got to get their game plan down. They got to uh, uh, get organized. And, uh, you know, something interesting he said got my attention. He said, you know, he's really only coached one game that was a morning kickoff. So he said what they're going to do is uh, – get everybody up a little early around 6 or 6.30, have a walkthrough of the game plan, and then make sure everybody gets plenty of food so they can play hard for four quarters. And he said the, the uh, one game he did play, they played at Louisiana Lafayette in the heat, and he said he was concerned about getting through four quarters. He said it was so hot, fans were having problems. 
staying in the in the stadium. So uh, uh, I think it's something he's thought about, but he said he's going to be watching carefully to see that his team doesn't get sluggish in this game. Goodness. Yeah, those mountain time kickoffs are, are no joke. Seems like they uh, kind of shift more toward the latter parts of the day. Certainly you got to see those Mountain West games um, if you flipped on your TV later in the day. Um, Jason, you and I talked about it a few days ago, but this offense looked so crisp in that first game. Seems like they were executing really well. Um, it was just Akron, which is something we've said a million times, but you don't set a completion percentage record for the program by accident just because of the opponent. Um, what do you think Bo Nix can do in this game that would have you feeling even more confident heading into that Penn State game? Does he need to just kind of have a similar performance? Because earlier in the week, he was talking about his goals for himself. Um, he said he wants to be an 85% passer. Obviously, you know, that's a super lofty goal. He hasn't even turned in 60% in a season yet. But what are you going to need to see from him in this passing game? Because like we talked about a few days ago, if you score in the mid-20s, you're going to have a good chance to beat Penn State on the road. I think it's yeah yeah if you go out there and do the same thing again and it looks very similar I would say that's a a very strong um, follow up to what you did in the first game but for me there's a couple of things we talked about it before the season started and we saw it uh, last Saturday um, check down to running backs throwing the ball to the tight ends those are those are drive sustainers and those are things that take a completion percentage from fifty eight percent to seventy seventy five percent those are that's you know those are the things as a quarterback that you do, you know, you're going to make some plays down the field. You're going to miss some of those throws. Can you keep a drive alive? Um, you know, second eight, uh, call, a, call a shot down the field. It's not open. Can you dump it down to the running back and get six yards instead of an incomplete pass, um, you know, to get yourself a third and two? Those are the things that you've got to do against Penn State, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, whoever. And, and you know, Bo did a good job of that in, in week one. Now here, can you remain patient? entire offense, not just Bo, can remain patient to, to take what the defense gives you. That's, you know, talking to Ben Laird, he, he, he kind of keeps repeating that over and over again, going, that's the key to, to being good at offense. You, you take what the defense gives you. And, you know, you think about how many times over the past few years, you, you think about the Alabama plays where they have a big play for a touchdown. How many plays were a 12-yard pass, swing pass to, to running back out of the backfield or throwing the ball to a tight end? Those are the things that keep a defense honest. They keep drives alive, um, and, and I think that's what Bo did well. That's what I want to see more of. I want to see the offense continue to do that. Obviously, if you're Auburn, you feel like you're probably going to be able to line up and run it whenever you want to against Alabama State. Um, I would like to see Sean Shivers get more involved a little bit. Um, Auburn's going to need more of Tank Bigsby against Penn State and those other games down the line. He, he's going to be counted on to carry more of the load. You know, get him his yards early on. Um, but then, I'll, you know, Sean Shivers, he needs to get into a groove. He, you know, only a couple of touches last week. He didn't have that opportunity. So that's kind of what I'm looking for out of this offense. Um, you know, kind of be patient, um, continue to use those running backs, tight ends, and, and maybe get Shivers a little bit more ball. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Yeah, Shivers was that guy who, like you were talking about, just a quick little swing pass out of the backfield. It might have been a design play because there was some pretty good receiver blocking down the field, but I believe it was a 19-yard touchdown for him. And yeah, only three touches in that first game and two of them 
went for score. So Shiver's pretty assistant efficient, excuse me, to start the season. Um, we'll see if they're kind of saving his legs for Penn State. Mark, moving over to the other side of the ball, you talked about Alabama State along the line of scrimmage just a little bit, but we finally got to see what Auburn's new defensive front looks like. And a certain guy, T.D. Moultrie, has been talked about a lot this week because he had a breakthrough performance. And then today and just kind of over the course of the week after the game as well, um, he was pretty candid about the way that he performed and kind of the way he held himself up as a player over the past few years. He's now in his fifth year with the program and seems like he's not only kind of changed up his habits, kind of changed up his perspective on things, but seems like this new defensive scheme with Derek Mason is, is exactly what he needs. Um, what are you going to be looking for out of this defensive front? Because it seems like their pass rush um, might be one of the strengths here, just depending on what we saw that first game. Um, and it was kind of a concern going into the season. Yeah. I thought TD played really well and I was sort of happy for selfish reasons because uh, we did a feature on him in the uh, magazine in the spring back before he had really done much anything. And, you know, it was sort of the theme was he's decided to come back for one more year to try to get it right. And this is a guy that we saw in high school that was very talented. He was like about the best player in the Alabama Mississippi all-star that game when I was down there watching it and he was really good. And, you know, I just figured that, and Jason figured too that uh, in talking to his high school coach uh, up in Birmingham, that I mean, the new offense is going to be a really good fit for him because TD, if you let him roam around, let him stand up, be aggressive, make plays, uh, he was he was going to just get back in a groove playing football. If he's got to have his hand on the ground every single time and line up as a 250-pound guy playing 320-pound off, offensive tackles, that's not always going to go his way. But uh, this 3-4 front where they move him around a lot is really uh, good for him. I think he's hit it off with Burt Watts, uh, his new position coach. And Burt Watts was pretty fired up about how all the uh, outside linebacker edge guys played in game one. He said they basically turned it loose and got after the quarterback. And they also made a lot of plays in space. And, uh, you know, it looks to me, Nathan, that maybe one of the strengths of the defense is going to be this group's quickness on the outside and ability to rush the passer. And it's not just TD. It's a variety of different guys. Derek Hall looked really good. I think he's got a chance to be one of the best players in the SEC. And a guy that uh, I was looking forward to seeing play last year was Romel Height, but he had shoulder surgery and really didn't get to play at all. So, uh, you know, I think he showed some real promise there too. Yeah. One thing Burt Watts said tonight on Tiger Talk, like Mark was talking about, um, you know, that when a, when a pass rusher in practice and preseason camp kind of has to pull his punches a little bit because he's getting after his own quarterback, going after Bo Nix and TJ Finley. Uh, you don't have to do that in a game setting anymore. So he was excited to see them actually be able to get out there and, and turn it loose like like Mark said, yeah, so Romello Height comes in this week with the third highest uh, grade out of any edge rusher, out of any edge player, outside linebacker, pass rusher, whatever the heck you want to call it, um, in the country. And obviously he had a little bit of limited snaps, but he's still in that second rotation there with Iku Leota. Um, Jason, I mean, I feel like this is just such a similar game. I feel like we're, we're kind of talking ourselves in circles of the same stuff that we did last week with Akron. But what is something that just overall in this game, we, we said the same thing last week about Akron. But what is something that you what you would see in this game um, that would make you feel a whole lot better about Penn State or on the flip side, because this isn't a perfect team right now on the flip side, 
what's something that if it kind of rears its head in this game, you could say, okay, that's a little bit more of a problem. I am not as confident as I might've been before about that Penn state game. Yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously against Akron, probably against Alabama state as well. If you're Auburn, you'll, you'll be able to play, you know, Derek Hall, TD Moultrie at the same time with, you know, Marcus Harris and, and Kobe Wooden in the middle and, and kind of play almost what used to be called a rabbit's package, you know, that kind of pass rush group. Against Penn State, you're going to have to line up with with Tony Fair on the field more, Marquise Burks. I think for, if you're Auburn, you got to get Marquise Burks, Dre Butler, Lee Hunter. Um, you got to get those guys some reps because you're going to have to have some more size on the field at times. Now, we've seen Zykevis Walker play more, and he's – He's around 300 pounds, so he's a guy that can can hold down one of those spots. But to me, you got to get the, the the guys in the middle um, more prepared for for what's coming. Um, they're going to need those guys. Um, I don't think you can plan on redshirting a guy like Lee Hunter. I think he's going to have to play this season um, based on what you got coming down the road. So for me, that's the thing that you look at it. There's still um, you know question mark. I don't think there's you know there's question marks for any team after one game. But if you look at the, the the execution of this team, the things they did, to me that's one of the still maybe not a question mark, but an unknown because we just didn't see it very much. Acker didn't challenge the middle of the defense a whole lot. Not sure how much Alabama State will, but if they get out there and move the ball a little bit on the ground, um, that's one of the things I look at is going, hey, that's I got to see more of that and um, you know how Auburn plays them. Maybe for Auburn, you, you don't show your hand as much on on some of the the bigger packages to to, to kind of give that to Penn State a little bit. Maybe you know it's there; they have plenty of options. But to me, that's one of the things I look at defensively. And just to touch on that, that outside position a little bit, when you can not have Nick Curtis in a rotation, Nick Curtis walk on. That's a really good football player from Hoover. We saw him in the spring, uh, early on in the fall. He can get after it um, when he's your fifth guy at best at a position, then you're in pretty good shape. So I agree with Mark. I think it's probably as, as deep a position as Auburn has on the field right now. Yeah, when a guy like Curtis, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's still just a preferred walk-on coming over from Kent State. So, yeah, he's a guy that that he comes out there in preseason camp and in spring camp, um, and he looks like an SEC football player, and everybody wondering who that is. That's uh, the transfer from Kent State, like you say, a great player at Hoover. Mark, um, just because we're going to be talking about him now, and then once we get into SEC play, we won't be talking about him as much, but – the reserves on this team and the guys that are going to have an opportunity to play um, in the third quarter. Brian Harson has an interesting approach um, to kind of not keeping a script for these guys, but keeping them kind of aligned with the same game plan, even when they go in really valuing um, those reps. How different is that approach from what you've seen from Auburn coaches in the past? And what did you think about his ability to use the reserves there in that first game and, and probably like he'll use them in this next game? Yeah. The thing that stood out to me was, uh, they were not going into four corners to borrow an old Dean Smith basketball term and running out the clock. They were playing football to four quarters. And, uh, you know, they were being aggressive on offense and defense. And, uh, you know, all too often, we didn't get to see the backup quarterbacks really go out there and run the offense. And they certainly gave T.J. Finley an opportunity to do the same thing Bo Nix was doing and they even gave Finley the first team offensive line out there to do it with his first time on the field and uh, which uh, that definitely got my attention but you know when the second team offensive line came in uh, the backup running backs some of the backup wide receivers they still played kept to the game plan and kept going and uh, you know it was 
it was something a lot of really football savvy Auburn fans did not like when uh, with Gus Mouse on is that, you know, they get way ahead in some of these games and they just didn't take advantage of the opportunity to develop guys. And uh, they were a lot better on defense at doing that, but they certainly weren't very good on offense. And uh, uh, I think that uh, probably won the head coach some serious uh, brownie points with uh, the fan base. <laughs> yeah, I think probably a lot of Auburn fans would say that Gus didn't have much to do with uh, with the defensive rotations there. wasn't wasn't putting his hand in that very much. Um, exactly yeah, one, right. Yeah, one guy that uh, definitely did take advantage of that playing time was was Jarquez Hunter. He was he was a man on a mission for sure. Um, we'll see how much of him we see. We'll see if we see Jordan Ingram. Uh, he didn't play in that first game. It seems like maybe the walk on Sean Jackson is is that number four spot, or there's something else going on. Obviously, we'll 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 see um, how that rotation is able to play out. We will be back here on the podcast um, to recap the Alabama State game. Me and Jason, that podcast will be out either on Sunday or Monday. We did Monday last week. Might do Sunday. We'll see how that goes. We'll get that figured out over the course of the season. Thank you guys so much um, for listening. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you guys listen to podcasts on Apple, Spotify. That's the number one thing that helps us out. Thank you so much to Mark and Jason for giving us their time and previewing this game on Saturday, 11 a.m. SEC Network, Auburn against Alabama State. Um, The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. Go find him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, I will talk to you guys later. Enjoy the game and enjoy the weekend.